Well, I'm going to go ahead and start with our dad joke book as we work our way through this. Sometimes I just tuck my knees into my chest and lean forward. That's just how I roll. That's how I roll. <laughs> I failed my driving test today. The instructor asked, what do you do at red lights? And I said, I usually check emails and see what people are up to on Facebook. That was an honest answer. Anybody else do that? We got four honest people in here. The rest of you are not lying. Uh, or, or lying. Okay, so why do vampires hoard stocks? Because they're terrified of stakeholders. Stakeholders. We can talk about this later. Uh, the ex- I explain this to you. It's great to be back, guys. So good to see you. And um, we actually were able to get out of town last week. And my nephew uh, said that he wanted me to do his wedding. And I said, great, are you paying for it? And he flew us to California. And uh, so tried to add as many people into that as we could. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we didn't take full advantage of it. Um, but yeah, it was, a great, it was a great wedding. They got married in this uh, grassy knoll that's overlooking like a huge ocean with all these sailboats. It was just really, really beautiful. It was a beautiful day. Everything was just, you know, great weather, everything. It was, it was awesome. Newport, California area. But I learned a lot on my little trip. One thing I learned was uh, marriage is just really beautiful. It, it is. It's like it's... It's something that you just walk into, and like the, the setting was just amazing. It was, there was seagulls flying over us, and you could just sense God's presence there. The other thing that I learned was on my flight back to the Quad Cities, uh, we pulled, we were flying into the Quad City Airport, and I could see the city lights, and I could see the Mississippi, I could see the Centennial, and I was like, this is kind of a big city. You know, when you add all of our cities together and you see all the lights, and honestly, guys, like, the best part of the trip was coming home. I I went to the probably, you know, one of the top five places in the United States to go to, to uh, experience just beauty, and I just couldn't get my mind off of, like, I can't wait to be home. And so it's really different because I've never had that experience and I haven't left in quite a while. But just that reminder, this is where you're called. This is your home. These are your people. I missed you guys like crazy. I took one Sunday off and I like, I really missed you, you know? Like you're my friends, you're my family. And um, it was just beautiful to just come into the Quad Cities And the last thing that I learned was as she was walking down the aisle, I was just, I was standing up there and I started to tear up um, because I love my nephew. It's been kind of hard because my brother moved to to LA about 12 to 15 years ago. So, you know, to try to be in their life as much as you can with social media and that type of stuff, but to be there in that moment with him as his wife is walking down the aisle, it was just really beautiful. And... um, She's, she was just really beautiful girl, and so I was really excited for him. And also, I was just thinking of, 
that we're the bride of Christ and this is how God sees us. You know, Jesus calls us his bride, that you and I are his bride. And, and uh, they were sharing their personal vows. And I was just thinking of that too, of how when God has given us so many vows that he will protect us, he'll care for us, that he's, gonna, he's going to uh, supply all of our needs. And I was just thinking about how, how like we are his bride and he sees us in this beauty and this glory and we're dressed in white. That Jesus knows us. So my, my nephew's vows were about teaching her how to surf better. <laughs> you can tell it's a California wedding. <laughs> That's how they met, was like him teaching her how to surf. It's like one of the first things they did. And then it was also about what, order the right thing at Starbucks for her for the rest of her life. It's like, that's, that's important stuff. <laughs> but that's how God is. You know, he knows us. He knows us intimately. He knows each and every one of our desires that were his bride. And just put it all together in that, that, Wow, this is, this is the way that you view me, Lord. And it brought me to tears. Just how, how much he knows us and how much he loves us. How much he knows me. I'm Christ's bride. And I'm dressed in white. How amazing is that? Nehemiah knew exactly the same exact thing of what it means to, to be God's bride. To be in his covering. To be in his covenant. And so we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah 8 today. And Nehemiah actually, God breaks his heart for his city. And so he leaves comfort and goes to the city to rebuild the wall around the city. Because at this time, you had to have a wall around your city to protect it. But his number one mission was to get people to assemble together in the temple to hear the word of the Lord. And so Nehemiah spends, spends 52 days reassembling this wall, and then he puts in gates in the wall so he can get in and out of them. And so now we have the wall established, we have the gates established. The houses have not been restored yet. So what ended up happening to the city was the Babylonians came in and they completely wiped down the entire land, destroyed everything. There's some people that were still trying to live in this, in this land that was completely broken, but for the most part, everybody else had left. And they went into Babylon, and they were in exile. Well, we have this time where everybody's coming back to the city, the walls are established, the gates are open, and everybody's invited in. And so what happens next is Nehemiah invites Ezra to read the law to people, invite them in on what God is doing, that they can be God's people. And that's where we're picking it up today, Nehemiah 8, 1. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to jump right in. Lord God, we thank you so much that we get to be your bride, that we get to um, just live in this covering, this, this, uh, um, the feeling of security, God. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to just speak really clearly today as we open up your word, that it speak directly to our hearts. It'd be everything that you intended it to be, that there'd get nothing, there'd be nothing in the way from your message just coming across loud and clear to your kids today. Have your way. Lord, I just choose to get out of your way. Would you speak directly through me? Have your way, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. 
rest upon us. Amen. What's the best part about being back is when you say amen, other people are with you. Amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) Nehemiah 8. All the people assembled with one accord in the square before the water gate. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time breaking this one down, but I just want to remind us, as we went through the different gates, was anybody here when we went through the different gates around the city and what they represented in a journey towards Christ? Well, if you look back at that, the water gate was actually a gate that represented the water of life from the word of God. And so what happens is the heart gets filled with the water of life from God's word. And so everybody assembles in front of the water gate as Ezra's about to give them the word of God. And so I just love, I mean, you can't write this. Nobody else could ever write this book and it like work together piece by piece like that. All right, done, mic drop. Okay. I just love how the Bible all works together. It it just, it all works together. Generation after generations, so cool. So they assemble at the water gate. Then Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring, uh, they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for this occasion. Beside him on his right was Matthiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his left was Padiah, Mishaiah, Malachiah, Hashem, Hashabash, Hashadun, oh, sorry, uh, Zechariah, and the Michelin Man. Sorry. <laughs> Michelin Man wasn't there. Sorry. (laughs) Ezra opened up this book, and all the people could see him that see him because he was standing above them. And as he read it, and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Benaiah, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelatiah, Ezariah, Joseb, Hena, and Pauliah. These names are just fun. It instructed the people of the law while the people were standing there. They read the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priests, and the teachers of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Listen what was happening while he's reading the book of the law of the people. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
Nehemiah said, go and enjoy food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. So do not grieve for joy, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this day is holy. Do not grieve. <laughs> He's reading the, the, the law of people, and, and everybody just keeps falling to the ground and weeping and, and mourning. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Like, enjoy sweet drinks. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food to celebrate the great, with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So as Ezra starts reading the book of the law of Moses to people, people just keep falling to the ground and weeping and mourning. And I just can't help but think of the book of Jeremiah, which is the first book that we went through at the beginning of this year. A desire for God is what we titled that entire first quarter of this year as a church. We went through the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah's message was turn back to God. He has great plans for your life. He wants to be your God again. And he would stand in the middle of the courtyard. He would stand outside the temples. He would stand wherever they would let him. And he would shout, turn back to God. And you can sum up the entire book of Jeremiah, which is the longest book in the Bible. You can sum it up with this sentence. People don't want to hear what God has to say to them. They didn't want what God had to offer at all. He was just telling them, like, God wants you back, guys. And they just refused to listen. But here's Nehemiah. Here's Nehemiah. He invites Ezra, come over, speak the word of, the word of God. And this is the word of God, the, the Ten Commandments. The granite, the, the Ten Commandments in the temple had been burned down. So like their old law was actually burned up. But Ezra knew the law. So it's still very controversial. It's still challenging. Put God first. It's still tough to hear. Above everything else, yeah, like put God first. And so Ezra starts to read this law to them, and they start weeping. And you notice it says that for the people that could understand, and they could understand it, and they started to rejoice because they could finally understand it. And the truth of the matter is, is that like the other people that I just listed off, all those names, they were explaining it to the people. This is what this means. And this is how you could have God first in your life. This is how you could get away from this. This is how you could be in God's covering. And so that makes sense, right? But the other part of this, the reason they're able to understand is because their heart has changed. Their heart's changed. They're different. They're different now. I can't help but think, but a lot of that weeping, a lot of that mourning was... People thinking back of generations, a couple generations ago, if only our grandma and grandpa would have listened to God, we've, we would have been saved from all the disaster that hit our land. God would have protected us from the Babylonians if we would have just turned. But instead, Nehemiah says, no, guys, it's not time to weep. It's not time to mourn. This is actually a great time to get out your fattened calf and grab some wine and enjoy the splendor 
of God again. He has invited us back in. We are his kids again. How amazing is this? We get to be God's kids. Because God's law comes with blessing. His law comes with blessing. His law is not to suppress our fun. His, his law comes with blessing. It comes with protection. He cares for his kids. God's law comes with blessing and comfort. God's law. The Ten Commandments was, was not in place to, you know, like, well, you better do these things because I don't like you and you better not have any fun. The, the Ten Commandments are in place to protect us. You shall have no other gods before me, it says. Nothing else gets in the way of our relationship with God. You shall not make for yourself carved images, especially apples. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't do that. Don't add God's name on the end of everything that you feel. That's what that means. Did you know that? Like, I, I feel this way, so then I add God's name onto it, and all of a sudden, you're like speaking for God at all times. Maybe that's just how you feel, and sometimes you might have had bad pizza. So don't take God's name in vain all the time. Really pray about it, and then tag God's name on it. I feel God is doing this. God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Remember a day in your week, Sunday morning. Remember this, to keep it holy, to keep it set aside. I'm gonna speak a little bit into this because I've had so many opportunities in life to move up the ladder by working on the weekends. And I've chosen not to do it. Our kids were in show choir and football and baseball. We did it all. But you know what? Nothing got in the way of Sunday morning. And one great thing that I've applied is like turning my phone off one day out of the week. Keep a Sabbath day. Get away from social media for one day. I dare you. I really do. Tell me how it is. I'm not going to know what everyone's doing. <laughs> Remember a Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. This is just good stuff. You shall not murder. Don't kill people. <laughs> you know, these are, these are insightful things that God has for your life. It's good to not do, yeah, don't kill people. You shall not commit adultery. Don't have sex with people that aren't your, your partner, aren't your spouse. Don't steal. You feel bad when you steal, don't you? And there's normally penalties. I stole cigars and candy bars when I was 15 from Eagles. Nice. I just felt like I needed to confess that. It cost me $370. Yeah. Do not steal. You shall not bear false witness against a neighbor. And, you know, a, a part of this is refusing to gossip. 
to, to refuse to gossip about anything going on in your life, any, anybody that is walking through something, we're so quick to jump on like whatever that looks like. Oh man, I heard this about so-and-so. That's bearing false witness because if you didn't hear it directly from them, then don't use it. And if somebody shares something really intimate with you, definitely don't use it. Bear false witness. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Like, who cares what your neighbors drive? Who cares how nice their house is? Don't worry about it. Be, enjoy what God has given you, the blessing that he's poured out on you. See, these are in place to actually bring us in the covering of God. Because when we get wrapped up in putting other gods in front of our God, when we get wrapped up in serving false images, when we get wrapped up in coveting our neighbor's stuff all the time, it takes us away from the relationship that God has for our life. So they're in place to keep his kids close. I got a little demonstration for you. Hey, who took my umbrella? Okay, well, I guess I don't. Thank you. Thank you. I needed it out there. Wasn't sure if it was going to rain. Rain during worship time. Let it rain. In God's blessing. In God's blessing. Somebody said I need a bigger umbrella. Or maybe I need to lose some weight. In God's blessing comes provision, comes acceptance, comes fulfillment, comes life, comes love, comes joy. And most of all, guys, in a world that has been turned upside down and everybody's looking for it, this is where peace comes from. This is it. It's in his blessing. It's being in his covering. This is where peace comes you can face whatever. It can be raining all around you, but the peace of God is right in his covering. This is where it happens. Outside of it, and just trying to figure it out on your own, comes with curses, it comes with hurt, it comes with pain, it comes with emptiness, it comes with death. And most of all, it comes with turmoil. Your heart is just like hurting. You're not figuring these things out and you're just in pain at all times because you stepped out of God's blessing. And so Nehemiah knew this for the people. This is a time to rejoice. God's invited us back in. We get to be back in the blessing of God, in his covering. We get to be his people again. Jesus had the same exact message for us, except for it was a little bit different. It's not only the people of Israel that are invited in, it's everyone. We all get to be in God's blessing because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross once and for all. Everybody's invited. He broke the circle and made it accessible for each one of us to be in his blessing. That we can be in the covering of God. We can have God's provision we can have his blessing on our life. The craziest part about what Jesus did for us, though, is he gave us a choice. And we can choose. I'm going to go figure it out on my own. 
oh, I know those are some really good ideas that the Bible has to offer and stuff, but you know what? I got some other ideas myself. And Jesus gives us this choice. You can be in and you can be out. You totally can. You can walk away and feel all the pain and the turmoil. Feel the hurt again. Or you can be in the covering of God. Take on his blessing. Whatever you have for me, Jesus. Step into it. On my trip back, or actually on the trip there, I was driving, or driving, I was flying from Denver to L.A., and there's a part in that trip where I'm between two big guys <laughs> in this hot plane with a mask, and uh, you're just like, I'm just stuck in between the two guys, and they're eating peanuts the whole time. <laughs> Who gets some peanuts? I'm so frustrated. <laughs> and there's this point where I just realized I went off this plane. <laughs> Except for there's like two hours left. It's like two hours left. And so, like, if you deal with anxiety and whatnot, this is not something really common for, for myself. I don't really necessarily deal with that. But I kind of understand where you're coming from now because I was starting to freak out. I really was. I was like, I want off this plane now. And I'm looking around, like, how do I get off this plane? <laughs> We're 30,000 feet in the air. And here's the main part of it is I was thinking, I don't even know the captain. I don't even know their name. We're going to be flying our scissors. Or it's going to be bumpy. You know. <laughs> How do I get off this plane again? That's all I was thinking. It was like I was freaking out. I went off this plane. I don't know the captain. I don't know if they're good, if they're a good pilot. I don't know. I don't know if they did good in school or not. Like, they could have barely snuck by. I mean, think about it. Here I am trusting Hotwire Deal, <laughs> cheapest flight from Moline to L.A. <laughs> I mean, cheapest flight might mean, like, worst captain we got. They were using packing tape to fix the windows before we left. These are thoughts I'm having. I want off this plane. <laughs> Stop eating peanuts. And I went off this plane now. And it took me about 30 minutes and stuff. But I think the Lord, what the Lord did in that was, there's just some areas of my life that I'm putting more trust in the captain of United Airlines from my Hotwire deal than I'm putting into him. I'm trusting them to fly me 30,000 feet in the air. I'm flying like a bird right now, okay? And then they're gonna land this thing at 500 miles an hour 
Everything's going to work out okay. I'm okay with that situation, but trusting God in this area of my life, no, God, I think I got this. I think I'll take back that. And he was just kind of revealing some areas of my life that, that I've been looking at visually for numbers or looking at visually for, for an expectation of what I think should be happening as opposed to just going, God, I just trust you in this. It's like it doesn't always make sense. God, I choose to trust you over United Airlines captain today. More than that. More than that. And the main reason is this, is because he knows me. And I know him. I do know his name. I do know what he has to offer. I do know what comes with the covenant with God. I do know what comes with living in God's blessing. I've experienced it, guys, like crazy. I know this stuff. But there's still times in my heart that I have turmoil, and I start to take back what I've already handed over to God. And he was just saying, Neil, just trust me again. Would you trust me again? Trust me with relationships. Trust me with some of your friendships. Trust me with your family. We trust me. We trust me again. I think that's a call for the church. Will we trust them again? More stock in God's ways than our own? We trust him again to come under his blessing, to come under his provision, to come under his covering, to step away from the stuff that, that totally distracts us and takes us away from the relationship that God has to offer. We trust him. Because he knows you, you're his bride. He loves you. He has great plans for you, for each one of us. There's blessing that comes from the covering of God. So much blessing. Just tons. He loves to just pour it out on his kids. So I invite you, if there's areas of your life that maybe you can relate with that a little bit. Like, yeah, I've been putting my trust in a lot of other things. Just invite you, come back. Come back into the blessing. Come back under the covering. If there's some areas of your life, you know what, like, I know I'm not living in the covering, then come back. Today's the day. Do it. So much blessing.